0: fellas, if you want to feel fresh, you want to feel clean, you want to feel as fresh and as clean as the first win of a fresh new baseball season, well then you've got to get manscaped. Whether you're getting that lawnmower 3.0, you're getting the spritzer, the shower gel, that deodorant that has been proven to de-chafe you downstairs, all of it really fantastic for you it's going to take care of you so that you can have the parts of you that you want taken care of taken care of Uh, you can get all this stuff plus also the most comfortable pair of boxers you've ever worn in your life great travel bag all kinds of fantastic stuff for your family jewels so again you can get all of this and if you use the promo code dnvr20 you get 20% off plus free shipping at manscaped.com Welcome in to the DNVR Rockies podcast presented by Strava Craft Coffee. Remember to use that promo code DNVR20. You'll get 20% off your entire purchase of that CBD-infused, deliciously rich, potentially life-altering Strava Craft Coffee. I am your host, Drew Creasman. I am the managing editor of DNVR Rockies. With me, as always, is, of course, our beat writer, Patrick Lyons. And we are covering the first win of the season for your Colorado Rockies and the fact that it came in late July is not as terrible (laughs) news as as it would be of course right in in any other season we got to get into all of it of course we're going to be look they count Almost three times as much, and so we're going to treat almost every single one of these like it's a postseason game. We're going to dive into the details. We're going to talk about the standout defensive plays. There were several. Of course, we've got to talk about the hitting, some of the lack of hitting, what's going on with the offense. Some of the guys that are doing some things that uh, maybe don't you don't realize they're there. They're hitting the ball hard, but they're not getting the results for it yet. We'll try to parse all of that out, but we have got to begin in this three to two win, Patrick, talking about the pitching. Both the starter John Gray and every member of the bullpen, up through Wade Davis, flirting with disaster, playing with fire. Um, what other what other cliché? Uh playing in on the middle the of break. the streets. Yeah, on the yeah, there we go. Yeah. On just, the precipice. They right. They they danced on the pinhead. <laughs> is, is that a, a I may be repurposing that one, but they did all afternoon in this Saturday affair down in Texas. But uh, when they needed to make the pitch to a man, they executed.
1: Every game is like a playoff game here in this 60 game season. Yet, yet Bud Black in three separate instances, Wade Davis is the most obvious one where Even if he's in a little bit of a pickle there with a runner on third base, you got to let him see his job through, and he did. But more importantly, Daniel Bard getting into a jam there with runners on first and second and two outs. Even beyond that, Carlos Estevez in his second straight day of work, along with Jairo Diaz. But Estevez walks two consecutive hitters to load the bases with one out and with, again... You need to be urgent with these moves since every game is so important. Yet Bud Black says, this is my guy. And Carlos Estevez proves him right in a huge spot that could have completely flipped the score in the Rangers' favor.
0: Yeah, we're, we're going to have to power rank the the <laughs> nailsiest, the gutsiest, the most impressive of these performances right because on the one hand you've got as you mentioned carlos Estevez loads the bases up they had nothing could not find his spot was just all over the map and then all of a sudden it, you know buddy leaves him in there and he goes out and gets this huge punch out not only that he was in the heart of the order he got danny santana and joey gallo in that spot like that's huge for Estevez's confidence moving forward okay so that's so bases loaded one out and, and the heart of the order, okay? Versus Jairo Diaz, second and third, nobody out. After plunking a guy and uncorking a wild pitch, he looked totally lost. And then he goes to an unhittable slider, gets back-to-back strikeouts against, uh, I think it was Calhoun and goes um, down the Guzman. Ron Guzman. yeah.
1: And, and during yeah. the game, I had I had texted Drew, I said, hey, just so you know, Willie Calhoun uh, was a part of that U Darvish trade when he came over from the Dodgers, but Jairo Diaz uh, doesn't care about Willie uh, Calhoun's. Uh, baseball reference page he just said I'm just going to get you out and he absolutely did that so again all all four of those guys but mainly the the first three before Davis getting in those pickles but you you have to give them the opportunity especially so early in the season here and it's just great to see that those guys just really made sure to support their manager and and make them make them look good obviously in this incredibly tough spot where a two game losing streak is is as almost akin to losing an entire week of a normal season.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's and and it's going to feel that way too. So, and then as you mentioned, so so we've got you know the the Estevez and Diaz ones on the table there. We've talked a little bit about Wade Davis. I got a feel for our guy Chris here. Great win, great pitching he says, three runs allowed in two games from Rockies pitching. You got to feel good about that. The defensive indifference cost him on his Rockies minus 1.5. That's that's a tough one. And, and I saw a couple of people asking right before I came on here, you know, what is what is with that? Uh, that's the right way to play that. You just can't care about. The reason you can't hold that guy on at first, right, is because it creates a hole on the right side. It makes you less defensively capable of defending the ground ball. And them, go, as you saw, you saw exactly why it doesn't matter. Them scoring it. Three to two means nothing. They need two runs because they don't have another inning if they don't get that second run to go after it. So you have to put your defense in the best possible position to defend the hit. That's why you don't hold a guy on at any base, and that's why they can steal it at their leisure.
1: Precisely. And and that's one of the advantages that, you know, all teams are going to be experiencing. But particularly Wade Davis in this spot with no fans in the building with with no worry of hey when I come back to Coors, you know, what maybe are people gonna say. Again, these guys are professionals. They're they're able to, to keep those things out of their heads. They don't have rabbit ears where they're looking to to read the worst possible things that are said about them on Reddit and things of that nature. So, you know, he he's able to kind of get through that moment in in a major way and three two Rockies victory. That is that's the bottom line. And you go into Sunday's game saying hey, you know what, we can win this series and that's all we got to do is win two out of every three and we are going to go to the postseason. In fact, we're probably going to even host a game, uh, host a series at Coors Field as one of those uh, four home field advantage berths. Yeah.
0: So I bet if you were to ask Bud Black this question and ask him to power rank what what he's most impressed by from these performances, despite the fact that he still is frustratingly, inconsistent with the command particularly on that curveball way more pitches outside of the zone than I want to see I, I honestly believe his answer would be Wade Davis because of what we were kind of it's working with no safety net here right Estevas blows his inning the offense might pick him up uh, same thing with Diaz same thing with Bard who I want to get more into here in a minute but Wade Davis There's no safety net there, especially once Gallo reached on a total excuse me hit. You know, it didn't exactly knock the crap out of that one. And that brought the winning run to the plate. And a guy who's hit a big walk-off home run before. I'm sure Rockies fans were having flashbacks to 2018 and a terrible loss to the Rangers. And Odor got the walk-off, I believe, against Davis in that one. And so that he nailed it down he threw a couple of really gutsy curveballs once he had fallen behind he just poured those in they weren't especially well located but you could tell Odor wasn't looking for him that's beating the guy with the decision of the pitch to throw and then painted the corner let's all go home uh wow <laughs> Wow! 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 Yeah,
1: he got the knuckle curve over for those for those two strikes, and and that was probably the biggest thing. Again, just just being in and around the zone too, not not giving those those free bases. Obviously, out, outside of uh, what Andrew Scott there uh, and Gallo kind of getting lucky. He even after the the ball came off his bat, he was looking down the right field line because he wasn't exactly sure where yeah. it was. It was it was a mistake hit, and you get those once in a while, but. Uh, the more times you're, you're better than not, you're going to be fine overall. And, and Wade Davis was, and that's huge for the bullpen because, as, as you said, ultimately, to take it a step further, there's nothing to worry about with Estevez and Diaz. They proved their value last year. So it was kind of a, a, a no-lose situation. Daniel Bard, welcome back to the show. Yeah, he wants to keep his spot in the major leagues. No two ways about it. But that's his story is you got back. Again, no lose situation. But Wade Davis is a major lose situation, not just for him, but for the Rockies organization in twenty twenty and for him to get that, you know, even if it he did give up a run and uh, you know, even if the stat line might not look, you know, perfectly clean, it kinda gets him off the schneid and it builds that momentum it happened on uh, game One on Friday night for Edwin Diaz a guy Who completely imploded in New York at, at, at for the Mets and yet he gets The save the Mets go up to 1-0 and and it doesn't matter what Happened last year this is a new season in more ways than one, it's a new season for for players and their stat lines, and and kind of that rebirth. But it's also a new season in the in in that it's a new game. It's 60 games, right? It's, and Wade Davis has one of those
0: wins. That's right. That's right. And you know, I, I think about it this way to to those of you out there listening, uh, especially you. You educated Rockies fans because I feel like if Estevez or Diaz had, had blown the game or given up some runs and and that had been the re- and the Ro- the Rockies had lost and that had been the reason, a lot of you probably would have been very frustrated. That of course you'd be frustrated. You're always frustrated when the Rockies lose, um, but you know it wouldn't necessarily feel like this big. Like it wouldn't be how you would have felt if Wade Davis had blown that save right there precise You, you, you think about the difference in, in the way you would feel. You educated Rockies fan because you know Estevez, Diaz, as Patrick was saying here, they're gonna be fine. Um, but that would just signal to you, oh, like especially while we're all waiting for the return of Scott Oberg, you want to be able to see that Davis is gonna at least be able to hold things down for a week. And well, again, I'd like to see a few more of those pitches inside the strike zone. Um, I'd like to see him hitting his spots a little better. He was topping out at like 92, 93 miles an hour. That knuckle curve is still wicked and it, it messes dudes up. And the cutter is real funky too. Uh, he, he got a real defensive swing from Odor uh, on that as well. So, you know, we'll see going forward, but huge, huge thing. And then the other one, before we get into the story of the game, we've talked about it a couple of times, we'll get into the Bard thing in just a minute and in, in more depth here. But I want to put in this, our power ranking that we haven't really done here, but that's fine, of gutsy performances. John Gray, who uh, I think you've got to put near the bottom because he walked Jeff Mathis when he did there in the fifth inning, and that is that is a bad walk. Uh, but it was the inning before, if I recall. Um, no, it was, the, it, was the, it was the third inning, not the fourth. It was the third inning when David Dahl misplayed uh, a Triple. ball. Uh, also off the bat of Jeff Mathis, uh, showing up all over this, um, should have been a single, really. Um, David maybe trying to preserve a no-hitter, maybe just thought he could catch it. Little extra aggressive, whips on it. Mathis ends up at third with nobody out. Uh, we've seen that cause John Gray frustration in the past, him lose focus for just a moment, and he went right at Sin Chuchu in that next at bat and just threw him some, it wasn't even competitive. He dominated him. That run had no chance of coming in. So he picked up his outfielder there.
1: Yeah, I, I definitely like that. And, you know, with, with this kind of playoff atmosphere that you have to make moves, I was having a discussion with someone earlier today is this idea that there's going to be pitchers who get yanked in the fifth and in an alternate reality. They get their guy, and then they go eight or nine innings. And you go, whoa, wait, whoa, how, how is there a three-inning variability? Well, because you can't afford to blow a game in a spot like that, especially at a ballpark where we're not seeing the ball really fly out too much. I mean, I don't, yeah. I don't know what was going on in the Tuesday exhibition game with the Rockies' three home runs, but the ball is just not carrying for right now. So right. you say you you got to really make sure to, to, to tamp those runs down by the opposing team so you can't afford to have that you know go awry well if he gets out of that you know his pitch count's not that high he's going to be able to go maybe two more innings at at the least and you go wow that was a really dominant first performance as it were doesn't look very dominant because it wasn't but you know guys are going to have that opportunity and it's 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 going to be a major difference again if getting yanked in the fifth or going seven innings strong is going to be that 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 second time uh possibly even the top of the third time through the lineup that if you want to if you want to go deep into games and you want to you know be on the hook for the win Gray did not get the win because he didn't go five innings bard got the w then you are going to have to really make sure you don't put yourself in a precarious situation because your manager is only going to have one choice especially with 10 guys in the bullpen at the
0: start of the season yeah So this is normally the time when I would crack open a Breck brew as we're celebrating baseball on the field. Again, we're talking shop, we're talking pitching. You know, one of my favorite things to do is to break down what a starter hat on any given day. And the perfect companion to do that is, of course, my Breckenridge beer. You can get it from Davidson's at the Curbside Pickup and Delivery. Uh, super safe for you during this time of social distancing. It's one of the best ways you can get your beer, wine, and spirits out there at Davidson's. You can also, of course, pick them up at any King Supers, but my favorite, you know what, you love it. It's the farmhouse. You head on out there you call ahead at 303 eight zero three one three eight zero from noon to 8 p.m you use the code DnVR you save five bucks off your food and beer order it's super delicious food it's even more delicious beer you know I've been on that mile high city copper lager click uh, kick lately uh, but I do actually have currently I'm telling myself just a sampler pack I got the whole thing I'm feeling a variety right now it's been The weather here has been very up and down. It's been raining and it's been a cooler July all of a sudden. So I want to be prepared for all seasons. We're doing the Colorado thing. And the only way to do the Colorado thing is to do it with Breck Brew. And it's also a good time to remind everybody about the other thing that we're doing now. Every single game for you, we're bringing you our DraftKings king of the game. For this one, a little bit difficult to choose. There were a couple of guys you could have gone with, but I'm going the sentimental route. I've I've given the game away a little bit already. You could look over at Matt Kemp, and we'll talk about it later. Hey, way to drive in the first run of the year. Uh, you know, some guys did some things out there. John Gray. Uh, we can get back into that in a little bit. But our our draft king of this game, absolutely. Daniel Bard, and we're going to get into talking about why that was more in depth here in just a minute. So Patrick, this uh, what surprised me most about this John Gray performance, I think, was he didn't have his good stuff. He just did not have, (laughs) there it is, Uh, (laughs) he just did not have, um, you know, he, he wasn't hitting 97, 98 with the fastball, sitting around more. 94, 95. Um, now the slider was wicked at times. He threw some. He threw some just filthy ones. We talked about him getting chew. He got Fraser early on. Uh, but the location was 50-50. It looked like to me he really didn't have his A game. Uh, but he didn't have his C game either. I would say he he had it, about a B minus John Gray location and stuff far from the best we've ever seen at him so that he was able to go as far as long as he was without allowing any base runners. He got some help from his defense. It was great defense out there behind him today. Ryan McMahon made a nice play Trevor story with an insane tag on that uh, stolen base attempt. But if this is what John gray is, is able to accomplish, you know, and we'll talk about the fifth inning also here in just a second, but if this is what he can do now, when he doesn't have his best stuff. If this is what he can gut through, this is this is the version of John Gray the Rockies are gonna need to compete.
1: For sure. I, as I had said on, on Saturday's podcast, I thought he was going to go seven shutout innings and, and that was on the table. I think there, obviously he gives up that one run, you know, late and it kind of, you know, throws a wrench into the works, but um absolutely, you know, just, just a good spot for him to be in there as a the number two guy, not having any of that pressure uh, of being the, the staff ace and not worrying about those questions. And, and frankly, with, with, Us, you know, the media not being in that clubhouse to kind of ask those questions, either off the record, on the record, and just you just keep hearing that word, ace, ace, and first round draft pick, like all of those things, you know, can be a little irksome at times. And again, as a pro athlete, you know how to just block that stuff out. But for some guys, that that stuff does add up. And you want to be that ace. Everybody in that rotation. Wants to be that ace. Antonio Senzatella, the number four starter, wants to be an ace. Right. Chichi Gonzalez and Jeff Hoffman right now, they're both sitting in the bullpen saying, are we, are we going to get a start here next week? And if we do, guess what? We're going to be the staff ace. And, and, and those things are all on the table. So, you know, for Gray, like you said, you know, some some pitches working a little bit better than others. Um, you know, he got he got hard hit. You know, it, it's, it's hard to, to see that sometimes. And, um, again, had, had the perfect game going, as you said, with David Dahl maybe uh, giving a little too much extra effort. One of the reasons why he was able to do that was not because of the king of the game and Daniel Bard. But I would say certainly the prince of the game. Garrett Hampson, he had an RBI, which was ultimately the game-winning RBI, right? The third one. Uh, and, and Rob's sh- uh, Shinsu Chu of that leadoff home run goes up and get it. a kid. A kid yeah. who only had seven starts in the minor leagues before he was put into the outfield by Bud Black and his staff. And rightfully yep. so because he clearly can run a ball down and get it.
0: And that he did absolutely incredible. that. that was Unbelievable, incredible. wasn't it? Uh, I mean, he hit the the full full gear, man. Uh, that that was for a guy like you said, who's been a shortstop, second baseman his whole career, and who uh, we went and talked to. I, it, the game it was the um, the specialty game exhibition that the Rockies played there in Albuquerque. We talked about when Kevin Collins came on with us, right and. Hampson was playing left in that game, and somebody was sent home on a ball hit in front of him, and Hampson came up, and he threw the guy out at the plate. Patrick and I went into the clubhouse after that game to talk to him about it, say, so, you know, have you ever really done that before? Like, at any level. You, you went Because Garrett Hampson wasn't playing left field in high school and middle school and college, right? This That's not so... And, and his answer was what we kind of thought it would be, but it still kind of blows your mind a little bit, which was no, until that moment, that day, that game, the last exhibition they played before uh, the 2019 season began, he had never even tried to throw somebody out at home from left field, and he got the guy. And so that may have been the first time, in fact, it almost certainly was the first time in live action, be impressed by the play in a vacuum. <laughs> kid can run, kid can jump, and he robbed a homer. He's probably never made that play ever before in his life.
1: Certainly right. He, he I'll go one step further. He's never even dreamed about it. He's dreamed about being Derek Jeter. Right. Backhanding a ball in the hole, making the throw, having all your dreams you want to at the plate, but making those defensive plays, being like Ozzie Smith, laying out for a ball, tossing it to your second baseman directly out of your mitt, barehanded plays. Yeah. In the outfield, what what did I do wrong? I might as well retire if I get stuck into the outfield because I'm an athlete. I play shortstop. I'm hey. a premier defender. That's what I but do, but, but again, that's, that's what happens with, with pro sports is, is that, that attrition rate in that, hey, there's, there's everyone's allowed to play Little League. Everyone's allowed to play high school, but only a few are selected and only a few get to do it in college or get drafted. And, hey, there's only so many spots in, in, in affiliated baseball, and that's now dwindling. And you know what? If you want to get on the field, you got to learn how to play multiple positions Look at Ryan McMahon over at first base. Dude was a shortstop third baseman who's transferred over to second base. And first, Brett Boswell is a guy we're going to be seeing possibly by the end of this year who was a middle infielder that now plays the outfield. Josh Fuentes, who could be a gold glove third baseman in the majors, is now playing first base. The Rockies like these athletic guys so that they have that flexibility. And I really think this is probably the first year where all of that comes together. We've seen it in years past in Little ways here and there, but I really think this is the first year that we start to see that flexibility with, you know, guy even guys like Hilliard being able to play all around competently, all right. around the outfield. And it's it's really a mix that you know, I, I don't know that's necessarily something that wins championships per se, but man A lot of teams in the last few years have had those guys like the Max Muncy, Chris Taylor we saw in 2018-2019 World Series for the Dodgers. The Rockies now are trying to assemble those type of players, and Garrett Hampson's at the top of that list.
0: Yeah, 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 he had a very good day. We're going to get into the offense later, Kyle, but you you are correct. He also had some good at-bats. He had one really terrible one, but we don't harp on everybody has terrible at-bats. It happens, but... Um, Yeah, I I think, you know, and and you say he's earned a couple of more starts this week. I think the plan from the get-go has always been to work Garrett Hampson in there regularly. And yeah, you know, when there's a lefty, that makes that decision that much easier to start him on that given day. And if he's going to play defense in the outfield like that, it's going to make it way easier to start him. And as we go through this thing a little bit, especially if other guys are going to continue to slump, anybody who's ripping the ball into the gap the way he did in his final at-bat, is going to get playing time. Uh, that That's just going to be how this thing goes, right? But I, I do want to wrap up our pitching side of it. And, and actually, while that's still defense and run prevention, I want to get into this question from B10Devon asking, did Butera make an impact calling this game defensively? Uh, first of all, the only answer to that question is always yes, just because it's always a factor. It's always a major factor. Um, and I thought he called... A very good game. I, I think they worked through the lineup. And I, I think actually, I'll, <clears throat> well, actually, I don't know about Elias Diaz. I know Butera, Nunez, and Walters can all call a game, study a lineup, do that really well. And it is really important. And furthermore, something we talked about a lot in the offseason, Patrick, something we wrote about in both of our best case and worst case scenario articles is. And I really harped on, on the Tony Walters in our Definitive 5 series. Run prevention. This team's identity when they get to the postseason. In 2018, in 2017, in 2007, in 1995. Good bullpens, good starting pitching, great defense, and winning Those low-scoring games. Remember in early 2018 when the Rockies won 1-0 in L.A. and we all went, what in the world? We've never seen anything like this before. Winning a game 3-2, when a guy like Mike Miner goes out and has the kind of stuff he had today uh, against a team that also expects to, now everybody expects to compete and contend, winning 3-2 on the road, that's how the Rockies have to be successful this year.
1: Joe Girardi, Ron Gardenhire. Joe Madden, AJ Hinch, Asterisk, all these guys, managers, incredibly successful. The one thing they have in common, they were all catchers. Drew Butera, I asked him at the end of last season because it seemed like, hey, time's running out. And and sometimes when time is running out, guys don't want to hear thanks but no thanks. They they want to go out on their their own terms, kind of knowing, yeah, maybe I had a little. Bit in the tank, but I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna take anybody else's spot. It's time for the next generation to come up, and so I asked him if, if he was getting close to that point and his thoughts on coaching. And he's a he's a he's a he's a lifer. He's a baseball lifer. His father Sal Butera. You know, he even won a World Series ring, uh, and, and he's got one himself, too. So it's it's, it's in his blood, and I, you've, you see those little cutaway clips when you go inside the Rockies' dugout, and you see some of the, uh, the coaches almost looking back. I saw it Friday night where they're consulting with, with Butera, or Butera had a piece of information to relay to the coaches. He is another coach out there on the field that, Absolutely. yes, can play. Because that's the bottom line. That's paramount. He, you have to play. You know what I mean? Like Ron Gideon, the first base coach, you know, is isn't going to be playing first <laughs> base. He's a coach and he's on the field. It's like well, no. Can you imagine <laughs> you have to be able to deliver. I bet you Stu Cole can get it though. I bet I bet you he could he could go yard. Stu yeah. Cole can still go deep. There's no yeah, doubt yeah. about it. Yeah, he's in uh, shape. And Bud's got three outs left in his arm. But that well, that's a topic for another day. Yeah. If they need him. They can now for this three game.
0: batter minimum, Buddy could get out there ah, and get one lefty. Damn, he could get you're one right. lefty out, man.
1: Bellinger too. That's the guy he wants. Straight up. But Butera can still deliver it, and yes, you saw that wild pitch. Not a pass ball, wild pitch. That means it's on the pitcher, and you know he wants to get that back. It happened to Walters on Friday night, too, where there was a slider in the dirt, got away, and guess what? He had the cojones on the next pitch to say, give me that again, and he blocked it. For the strike. I think that was with Diaz, and so Butera is that player coach on the field. And like you said, defense is and and run prevention is is tops right now, and he's allowing the team to do that for better or worse. Say what you will about his bat in the past. Say say what you will about the, about about his age. He's what they need right now. And you know what? If somebody else comes and takes his spot, great but you don't get rid of a guy that has value like that until you have someone else that is 100% ready to replace him. You have to push the guy off that spot or else he keeps it and you keep that guy around.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. And so as I've been meaning to come back to here for a while as we wrap up the run prevention conversation, John Gray, uh, why didn't you end up winning our, our king of the game for me anyway. Well, it really did come down to that fifth inning walk to Jeff Mathis. It's crazy how these little things, and Patrick was talking about earlier, like if he doesn't do that, John could have gone six, maybe seven innings. You could have had your seven inning shutout performance if he just gets Mathis in that situation. He had two outs in the inning. He gave up a bloopy, dinky, donkey hit to the to the eighth guy where you, you, you go, ah, I should be out of this a little bit. I don't think he got frustrated. I just don't think he had his top command out there today, and he he lost the feel in the at bat to Mathis. But he walked him, and you can't you can't walk the nine hole hitter with two outs in, in an inning like that, where you're really trying to get through those middle innings. You're trying not to make your manager do what he had to do there, which was say, you know, it's a it's a tight enough game. I'm gonna go out and and hand the ball to somebody who apparently throws 99 miles an hour. <laughs> and so again, we'll we'll get into it. Uh but you you want to see him make that adjustment moving forward uh for sure. It was a rough way for his outing to end that said I think a lot of positive things for him to build on here.
1: For sure, and, and and it's a good, you know, it's it's no harm, no foul, right? Because he still came out with the lead, you know, did, did, didn't lose the game, but you know, it's not the first time John Gray has has you know pitched an in interleague. But it is a careful reminder about what happens when you don't have this pitcher spot to rely on. Even a guy like Jeff Mathis, who, you know, may have a career batting average similar to a couple of pitchers on the on the Rockies roster, uh, but nevertheless, Marquez more than might capable have guy,
0: he Marquez. very
1: much might. <laughs> I was going to say
0: quarterback. And,
1: <laughs> yeah. and and you know we didn't we didn't even mention this about Friday night's game but uh Herman was 7 and 0 in interleague play up to that point to start his career so got hung up with his first interleague oh, loss man. so uh, you know, again, a, a lot to be learned from it again. No, no harm, no foul. It's one of those things where you say, hey, that's great. Maybe got away with one a little bit here and there with a better team than the Rangers. I think they're very much improved and they're going to have those flashes in those moments. But you see that they're not there yet. Right. It's like mm-hmm. it's like playing a young team and you go. This team's gonna be very good in a few years. That's why Sports Illustrated in 2013 said that they were, you know the Astros were going to be the World Series champions in a few years because that talent is there. And I think the Rangers have enough of that to do well. Uh, and so you're not going to get away with that when they come back to Coors Field. But right now you take it and you say, all right, John Gray, you need to do it again, in your next start at home against the Padres who you love pitching against. He pitches great against San Diego in San Diego. Now at home, let's get it because that's a matchup where the games are worth – 20 times as much I, I i don't even know what kind of a multiplier you could put yeah. on that and that's where we'll really see okay john gray you got to live with this start it wasn't how you wanted to begin your season wasn't the end of the world you don't have to make up for it it's like kyle freeland you know said last year after his first few starts hey there's no way i'm going to get back to having like a 2.5 era at home like let me do the math what would i have to do yeah it, it's it don't don't just stop just cut your losses right and do your thing And we're going to see John Gray do that back at home at 2001, Blake Street. The Wolf of Blake Street. He's coming back. Get ready for him.
0: Uh, Should be good. Should be good. And, And I think Chris's point from earlier really is the big takeaway. Three runs in two games for Colorado Rockies pitching. I had somebody say to me when things were getting really intense there on Twitter, oh, man, this bullpen is giving me flashbacks to last year. I would submit that there was one marked and important difference: the runs didn't cross the plate. <laughs> That's look, man. Allow all the base runners you want. It's not a good formula for success. And I, you know, but three runs in two games against a team, the decent offense who expects to compete, quality, quality stuff from your Colorado Rockies pitching so far. So with two games in the books, are you are you starting to feel like you got your feet underneath you a little bit? What this season's going to look and feel like? I hope. Specifically that those of you who are into taking the betting option out there and have already downloaded the DraftKings Sportsbook app, I hope you all listened to the DNVR bet show that Patrick and I went on the other night. And I sincerely hope you laid down a little bit of cash funds, money dams on the fish to beat the Philz when that was what ninety-two percent of the public was going to the Phillies. Uh, we went on there and said the fish. it was there they got that dub uh, if if you followed our advice on that particular one if you laid anything at all down you probably made yourself quite a bit of funds they've had all kinds of really cool bonuses going on for opening weekend including you know uh, if you bet on your team you get all these bonuses i think it's it's the $25 bet on your team and then you get uh bonuses for when they hit home runs Sorry, that's not working out so much for us right now in Texas. We didn't know that Globe Life Field apparently eats all of the balls in the (laughs) air. And we're going to talk about that here in just a minute. But it may be the world's largest humidor. We have not
1: confirmed (laughs) nor can we deny it yet.
0: That's right. We're we're gonna have to find out uh, before too long. But if you think you feel like you know how this season's gonna go, then download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app and use that code DNVR when you sign up because you can get a sign-up bonus of up to a thousand bucks. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only, bonus, bonus comprised of a first deposit bonus and a first bet match, each up to 500 bucks. Deposit bonus requires $25 by playthrough, restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. And if you have a gambling problem, please call 1-800-522-4700. And Patrick, if I was a gambling man, uh, uh, an actual gambling man, throw a little money here and there at some stuff but I, I don't I don't think I would I would qualify myself quite yet RK and, and Andre and, and I went down to the bar and they were really giving me Adam was get, asking me for stuff in the seventh inning uh, <laughs> day one I led him astray too he asked me if the Rockies were going to score a run in that inning and I said sure they didn't uh they didn't. <laughs> you may have recalled. uh but I still would bet that this offense is going to improve, that they are going to break out. I'm not going to give you the old proverbial Drew Goodman line. You just know they're going to hit. And that whole fight that people have had for years, it's actually not even an appeal to the talent that I'm going to make right now. I could make an appeal to the talent. Trevor Story is going to hit some home runs. Nolan Arenado's is going to hit some home runs. Uh, David Dahl not going to be the only guy on this team who has a hot streak ever. Um, the bottom half of the lineup we can talk about here in a minute. We, we can get to that. and We can get into that. Um, but what I'm going to point out first and foremost from an offensive standpoint is the approach. I think the Colorado Rockies, and we talked about this again, But I think on the Betts show as well, but just coming into the season, how important it is. We, we talked about it with Nick Groke and the road hitting machine and the Rockies hitting woes on the road. The need to see more pitches, to be more patient, to – get into bullpens and beat teams over series because they're getting into bullpens and all of this stuff. And so while in the first game, they did force Lance Lane to throw over a hundred pitches in six innings, which I was still very impressed by. I know it's kind of weird. It's like impressed by the Rockies offense. They didn't score any runs, but if they do that more often than they made, they made Mike minor throw 20 pitches in the first inning in this afternoon's game. If they do that, more often than not, it's going to lead to success.
1: 100%. Yeah, there, there's no two ways about it. Is There's a reason why these guys are in the bullpen, because they're not successful starters, right? There's something about them that is a little bit askew, if you will. Or they're guys that simply only have two good pitches or three good pitches, right? So this, this idea of just seeing more pitches – Benefiting them is, is absolutely right. It gets to the bullpen a little bit quicker and also allows you to kind of adjust and have that those those positive, you know, envisionments that that players like to have now that that thinking positively and seeing that success. And we, we've said it before, the Rockies would love to see Clayton Kershaw seven days in a row. That would be great if Kershaw could do that. Because they know him. They can they can close their eyes and say, Here was that one time I went the opposite way on him. Or here was that time I had success. And I can see myself having success because I see where his he's releasing. I know the pitch tunneling, but I, I know the movement, how his hand's coming off on that curve, things of that nature. And they can they can envision that. And so the more pitches you see, the more familiar you're going to get, and the better off you're going to be. So they're doing that team wide and while it has it's only translated to 3 runs right now over the course of a season that's going to translate to an uptick of, of you know 10 to 15% whatever it is and it's going to translate into some some you know, one or two-run victories—it's going to translate to wins where they wouldn't have had it previously because you know what? The other team's a little bit taxed, and they just don't have the arms in the bullpen. So you know what? Look at this perfect matchup. It's just—it's—it's it's a game of chess. And by taking more of those pitches, you're getting each of those pitches that the starter throws—they're pawns, and just you're getting them off the board. You're opening things up a little bit, and now you can start to look ahead at whatever matchup you want before you decide to take their King.
0: Yeah. One of the things that I, I would imagine there are some people that will roll their eyes at this, but every defender in baseball will tell you they hate long innings. They hate being out there for a long time and you start to stiffen up. You got to be ready and you, you never know which way the ball is going to get hit and you can end up being out there in a long inning for say a half an hour. And then The other guy could go out there, throw eight pitches, get three quick outs, and then you're right back out there on your feet in your spot. And so while I can't claim that on day two, part of the reason why the Rangers made a couple of defensive miscues in that key inning where the Rockies scored a couple of runs is directly tied to them taking a ton of pitches and drawing all of these innings out even though they're not necessarily scoring runs in them, it, it, it's a factor. It's a part of it. It's all a part of it. And it has to be – and this is the trick. This is the hard part. It's why uh, I, I went so hard last night while I was down at the bar about if I was the hitting coach, if I'm Dave Magadan, I'm in there pleading with them not to change their approach because it has to be complete. It it, it only takes one guy popping up the first pitch of an inning to to screw up your whole thing. That Now he's not going to throw 20 pitches this inning. He's just not. Um, it means looking at some you maybe could have had a better hack at early on, and and you're going to pay for it in some ways. You pay for everything in baseball one way or another. But um, I really do think it, it had an impact on those defensive plays, and as we saw in their ability to then get to the bullpen and score a very important insurance run.
1: Yeah, the the data is is there, and you if you show it to the players now it's it's a totally different world than we had 10 15 years ago when Mike Sosha and Jerry DePoto the GM and the manager are clashing in a clubhouse saying oh, look at the data this is what you should be doing with your lineup or defensive um, uh, positioning and it's like no I can just look and see and it's it's just this war of two worlds you know we saw it last year with Nolan Arenado saying give me the data why should I not play as close to the line because we all love seeing Nolan go backhand on those plays and and throw a guy out at first base from the opposing dugout on the third base side. That's great. There's nothing better than that. Nope. And you, you're taking a double away. How How is that wrong? The data was showing the Rockies that it was because for every double you take away, once every month, let's say, tops – there are five singles that get through the hole on the left-hand side between you and Story. And you go, wow, okay, that's that's a little bit more in those moments, and you're able to convince them with that data. So to your point, I think there's plenty of data there saying, okay, here's our approach for the season. We just have to sit and wait, be a little bit patient. Um, there's nobody on on the Rockies that's really that overtly aggressive you know Nolan you know will go at a first pitch but I think the guy has more, the
0: right that, to, yeah. to
1: see a center cut pitch and just go yeah I'm going to hit that out or I'm going to pop it up and you go oh man but the less and less you have that and the more buy in that you get from guys like him and story and Blackman but it, it it's going to basically you know permeate throughout the entire team and it just becomes a normal part of your life and now, when you get that center cut pitch, the for the sixth pitch of the at bat, the outcome is just the same. But now the whole team is going to end up benefiting because he's thrown that many more pitches, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And I, I don't think it's an approach they're going to go away from. You know, just just from two games. I, I think there's you have nothing to worry about as far as that's concerned.
0: Yeah, and and I think you know it's it's interesting you put it that specific way because I, I was thinking about. I think it was a conversation I had with Charlie Blackman a couple of years ago when, actually several years ago, uh, when he was still getting used to being a leadoff hitter and he was talking about different approaches and how, you know, for, he would say for myself, I know I'm going to get three, maybe four at-bats in a game. And so if I'm going to swing at the first pitch of an at-bat, I know I'm maybe going to do that once a night, maybe twice if, if a guy just pipes one for me, you know, two times a night. But really... I'm not going to do that more too often, but I'm going to pick my at-bats where I'm, I'm maybe going to fire that, right? I'm choosing for me. I've got three, four at-bats tonight. The So, so you're right. Cause I don't think they have a ton of overly aggressive guys, except for maybe Tapia. They got to pull the reins back on him a bit. Um, I think it's more of that team approach of saying, look in the first three innings, no one gets to use their, if you use your first swing, on first pitch in the first three innings, you better whack the crap out of that ball, or you're going to have to answer the whole rest of the team because it only works if we all do this. So you can't as an individual pick the at-bats anymore where you're going to swing at the first pitch. We as a team have to pick those at-bats. And that's that's not an easy adjustment for guys to make, but it looks like they're buying in early and it. I got to say do I like the results? I don't even know what it, I, I do I, I like I like the pitch counts. I like seeing them get into the bullpen all of that stuff is positive. you just need the the final piece of it to fall into place which is when you get to that reliever in the sixth or seventh inning and you draw that leadoff walk and then Sam Hilliard gets the fastball down the middle. he runs into it and puts it in the second deck that's your your formula for success here
1: you might not like the result but you like the potential. No. And and to hear, wait a minute, you're telling these four All-Stars, uh, Daniel Murphy would be a fifth. He's, he hasn't done it with Colorado, but he's a three-time sure. All-Star. You got Ryan McMahon, who did pretty good last year with his 24 home runs, is on the precipice of another All-Star performance. And you've got a few of these guys. Matt Kemp, he's made a couple All-Star teams. Done that. And when you say, well, wait a minute, how can you have a team approach that here's what we're going to do? How are you going to tell these guys what to do with their their approach at the pra- at the plate? And it's not their entire approach. It's just what they're going to do maybe in that first at-bat to see some more pitches. Well, isn't that what you do with pitchers? right? Isn't that it, isn't it what you do with catchers? You say, look, catchers aren't always calling every single pitch of the game, and pitchers certainly aren't the ones doing it. You know, there there are a rare few out there. Justin Verlander, you know, we've mentioned him a bunch on the podcast. It seems like the past couple weeks he's gained a lot of traction. Um,
0: I hear he's good.
1: (laughs) He's pretty good, and you got to earn that. And you go, wait a minute, the guy who's throwing the pitches doesn't get to decide what pitches he throws? Yeah. Yeah, that's that's again that's like the that's the team approach or that's just the 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 overseeing uh, almighty eye, you know, that is Bud Black and that is the manager of the team. And you say, "You know what? Let's change this approach a little bit so that it is more team-based because the results are going to be team-based." And, you know, it's 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 all good and well. There there are those situations we know in a game where, "Hey, a guy hits a home run here." It doesn't mean anything. And if anything, you know what? A double is a little bit more beneficial because now you're on second base. No run has scored, so that seems worse. But you're on second base. You can either relay messages to the batter. Um, The the pitcher now has to go from the stretch. There's a little bit more juice in that moment, and you can ride that momentum to the guy behind you just keeping it going. And they talked about that last year, right? It didn't work out. So maybe it'll work out this year. Like, hey, you know what? I want to set the guy up behind me for success. So here's what I'm going to do in my at-bat and give him that opportunity to be the one. I don't have to have it all on my shoulders. And they're one and one, only three runs. But again, like you said, you like the approach because the potential there is everything that the Los Angeles Dodgers have been doing for the last eight years. And for the last eight years, need I remind Rockies fans, unfortunately, they've got a pennant that says NL West champions for the last eight years. The Rockies have that approach now in more ways than one. But if we're talking about taking pitches, being more selective, running up uh, the pitchers' uh, pitch count, they are doing that now, and that is exciting to see what that potential could possibly bring them.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, the actual results on the evening David Dahl did pick up another hit. Nice little two game hit streak going for him. He's batting 444 in the two game sample size uh, with an OPS of 1,000. Trevor Story picked up a base hit. He cracked one real hard, his uh, first of the year. He did strike out once. Uh, Nolan Arnato with a, a base hit, a run scored. And a couple of walks. Uh, he again. He's he's I think been a, a leader in that. I'll I'll take the walk. I'll I'll pass the baton to the next guy. I don't need to expand the zone except in maybe a, a few key situations. And, and of course, uh, we talked about everything that Hamson had done. Uh Ryback's still sitting on an over though. He was able uh, to drive in a run. Did have another couple of strikeouts. So he's swinging I'm not and missing a lot yeah, I'm not really I'm not worried,
1: either. but I don't like, you know, seeing that he's he's 0 for 7 with the 5Ks. You yeah. include the exhibition games? Yes, he hit a home run, but he went 1 for 5 with 4Ks there. So in Texas, 1 for 12, 9 strikeouts. Still a young kid. We saw it last year, uh sometimes defensively trying to do a little bit too much. Maybe that's the case. He'll be fine. He'll yeah. be fine.
0: Uh, Doni Tan coming in and saying 12 game hit streak for Dahl, longest active streak in MLB. Um, so we'll have to keep an eye on that. Also commenting that Rymac looks lost at the play. I was thinking about this and I, I actually had this flashback to the beginning of 2018 when I was down in Arizona and Trevor story started out that season. In fact, I don't know exactly what it was, but it would not shock me if it was 0 for 7 with five strikeouts or 0 for 10 with seven strikeouts, and, uh, you know, he had, in 2017, the first half of his season was almost a total disaster with Trevor's story. He struck out a ton. People were talking, about this kid's a bust. Get him out of here. That rookie season was a fluke. Then the second half of his 2017 was fantastic. 2018 gets out. He's striking out all the time again. You're going, oh, man, I remember tweeting out something. Like, they got to bench him for just, like, a series or something. They've got to bench him. Um Trevor's story was almost MVP in 2018 if he hadn't gotten hurt in LA at the end of the year. So um now we don't have that kind of time again it's it's right. you know for, for us to get there but not worried about RyMac yet. These yeah. these this reminds me very much of that story like he looks lost and then he just didn't anymore. You're like all right. I uh, <laughs> I think it's going to be okay. So, yeah, that's uh, that's uh, oh, the and then the final note, of course, on the offense that we wanted to make. Matt Kemp, welcome to the Colorado Rockies driving wow. in the first run of the year. Uh, you, you almost in July, you this is the Twilight Zone.
1: Matt Kemp, first RBI of the Rockies season in right. 2020, in John July 25th, yeah, as the DH. Whoa, right. whoa. in the national, Stop. Right, right? Wow, right. what right. I. I know they decriminalize mushrooms, but what is going on over there, Drew?
0: <laughs> did he get it off a minor also, or was it against uh yeah, it was. he okay. was, I was gonna minor, say? Yeah. Okay, I was gonna say, was it also against a righty? Because that would have been hilarious. He did it against more, a minor it... and you go, Oh my gosh, wow, <laughs> Wait, these pitches what? are getting younger oh. and younger. <laughs> uh but yeah, just there <laughs> there I'm was wrong. just a, a ton of sweet irony in all yeah. of that so for good. Matt Kemp to to drive in the first run of the season um they out there playing games with us patrick i love playing games though uh some of those little little difficult with my heart one of my favorites wgt golf of course you know you can get it over at dnvrgolf.com the most beloved free golf game in the world, played by over 20 million people around the world, including the two of us, pretty much everyone here in the DNVR community. We love it, man. You can play closest to the hole or full-stroke play on world-famous golf courses like Bethpage Black, St. Andrews, All kinds of great stuff out there. If you're really into it, you want to get all the cool top golf gear, you want to get the extra good putters and drivers and all that stuff, uh, you can get really into it and really lose yourself in it. If you just want to use it to relax, whack the golf ball around a little bit on the weekend, join us for some tournaments. We got them every weekend. That second clubhouse is getting close to full. It is full. Is it? Did it? It it finally, okay. We're at
1: three, baby. DNVR 3 for the tournament this weekend.
0: There it is. You got to get in on that. It's it, We're grown and grown. You don't want to be left out of the party. It's been a lot of fun doing this. And, and like I was saying, every weekend you can get out there and join us for these tournaments, talk a little trash in our Discord channel or on Twitter, have some fun with it. Someone's got to come around and put Harrison Wind in his place a little bit. The guy has been absolutely <laughs> nails out there on the course of late. So, remember, you can download WGT Golf totally for free, either on your phone or on your laptop at dnvrgolf.com. I wanted to fit in a while, the innocent asked. Actually, there was a question you had earlier, too, that I wanted to mention real quickly. Uh, Asked me to grade the umpiring. uh, Mm. C plus. (laughs) C... c It could have been worse. I I felt like it was relatively consistent. The zone was wide. That cost the Rockies a little bit more than it cost the Rangers, but it did cost the Rangers. Uh, So I, uh, the Tapia call was the most egregious one in game one in the ninth inning. That, that that's just a killer call in that count. You, you, that's got to go to three, one there. Um, It could
1: be challenging all season long because, you know, players can get their reps in somewhat, you know, not reps that you're getting against other, you know, opposing starting pitchers and and seeing the ball live, but you can hit it out of a machine. What does an umpire do to get ready for this season other than squats? Like, (laughs) how do you prepare your eye for that? We saw it so much on Friday night with Chirinos stealing those high strikes in particular. So that's just going to be one of those ongoing stories, I think, where the umpiring. I don't think it's been atrocious, right? You said a C plus. Mm-hmm. All right, so that's not uh, it's not awful, and especially because it didn't really impact the outcome directly. Right. But right. you know, it 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 could be a story for the most of the season. But it's again one of those things where you go. So then we shouldn't be playing baseball right now because the umpires weren't able to get ready. Of course not. We are just right. going to have to deal with it. Just, just going to and deal bear with it. it.
0: Grin and bear it. Uh, Same thing with the DH coming to the National League. And while the innocent also asked, I found the other question. Uh, Is it is finding the right players for the DH role going to be a challenge for all everyone in the National League? And yeah, I I think it is. I mean, I think that's going to be a a pretty constant challenge for everyone figuring out who's best fit for that role. Some have guys more naturally suited to it than others. But that's just part of the challenge of being a, a major league manager.
1: Yeah, it's it's not a DH like you see in the American League because National League teams didn't get an opportunity to see who was a free agent and who to make an offer to. And and that doesn't even necessarily mean a guy that is a DH. It's just could have been a guy that, you know, you can platoon at a pl- uh, at a certain position and have him as DH on an off day. You can just kind of have a rotating cast whatever it is. Maybe the Rockies say, "You know what? Let's give a one-year 19 million dollar contract to marcelo zuna at, he signed with atlanta for one year 18 rocky say one year 19 okay you know his defense maybe is a little questionable uh, so he can dh part of the time well you don't have that opportunity if you're not playing under the auspices of that rule so right. it just got moved in you know so late into the season so they're just gonna have to adjust accordingly and, and if matt kemp does everything that they want him to do then really they've they've almost lucked out in that scenario and and I just kind of shrug my shoulders to think like why would Miami have let a veteran like that guy go when they had already so many you know young players that maybe weren't quite ready yet for the responsibility that comes with being a DH because it's not easy sitting down you're cold for 45 minutes at a time and then you got to pick the bat up it's it's like you're a pinch hitter every Right. hour on the hour and that's that's not a great spot so Matt Kemp and Daniel Murphy we're going to see soon too eventually you know getting some right. of those s- spots and, and, and Charlie Blackman again veteran guys I, right. I, I like that I like the idea of a young guy getting more opportunities no doubt but I think a veteran guy is going to handle it better overall
0: I do too I, I totally agree with that. Normally we would end with something like this Rockies club but I do want to go out on feel good Daniel Bard stuff so let's do this very quickly. Thoughts on tomorrow's matchup versus Kluber. Another tough one, keep taking pitches. This is exactly the reason we keep talking about this, right? Statistically speaking, you are unlikely. Now don't give up. Don't 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 give up before you start, but just statistically speaking, you're unlikely to drop a crooked number on Corey Kluber. Nobody does that often, and he's had the Rockies number before in the past. See as many pitches as you can. Scrape out a run or two if you can. Be into that bullpen by the sixth inning because now your strategy is paying off twofold because the Rangers have had to dip into their bullpen. and Now, the Rockies have also had to do that. As Patrick mentioned earlier, Estevez and Diaz have had to pitch in both of these first two games. Not sure if they'll be available for the third one. This is another tough matchup, though. Um, and that's why it's that much more important that the Rockies continue to be patient, do what they can to drive up Corey Kluber's pitch count because the chances you score a bunch of runs on him just aren't that high. Um, and, and of course, y- you want to do everything that you can to support Kyle Freeland in this new season, <laughs> yeah. hopefully, new season, new, for very new. Yeah, yeah. it's uh.
1: You know, I, I don't know that I, I entirely like the the Rockies odds on on Sunday, um, just because you know Kluber had such a down year, but the guy's a, a you know a, a top five perennial Cy Young candidate. Yeah. Uh, he's playing for an $18 million dollar option, you know, next year. He's no spring chicken, you know. At the, he's in his age thirty four season, but you know, the, the, the dude can, can bring it and yeah, he's their number three starter. So you go, well, all right, he's past his prime, but he's looking to get back to that prime. And as you said, Drew, I I don't think Diaz and, and Estevez will be, you know, available on Sunday. You do have the off day on Monday and you'll also have an off day on Thursday too. So you have a lot of time for that, that rest and relaxation for those guys, but three days in a row, the first three days in a row, that's that's a lot to ask for. It wouldn't shock me if that happened, but that's not how you're going to want to draw it up. So it's almost like you got to get out to a really big lead early on in order to to feel like you're you're most secure in getting this win, and that's again extremely hard to do against a two-time Cy Young Award winner like Corey Kluber.
0: Yeah. So We will, of course, see what happens while the innocent saying I enjoy these post-game wrap-ups. Well, we enjoy that you enjoy them, and we will be doing them the vast majority of the time. So everyone out there, make sure that you are subscribed, of course, and you don't miss them. Patrick, I did want to finish out, of course, we've talked about it a little bit. But just say again, it has been seven years since Daniel Bard pitched in a Major League Baseball game. And Bud Black, in I suppose his infinite wisdom, and we just have to stand back and say, well, all right then, puts him in to a one-run game at the time with two on, needing to get that key third out, kind of preserve the game for his team. Uh, Got the job done, uh, though the the slider and the final pitch of that at-bat caught a little too much plate. Again, thank you to the Texas Air and Globe. Nothing flying anywhere at Globe Life Field. Um, but then he goes back out there for a second inning and gave up a couple of uh base runners. Uh one of them on Fraser, totally jammed Frasier with that one. Um But dude was touching 99, sitting on 97, 98.
1: 90 mile per hour change up. Change up. That's a fastball for you and I with the help of some you know, medicine from say, certain no, doctors. <laughs> uh, right, right. With some help. With some help. Right, right. We with have to help. doctor sure, this pitch sure, sure, And that's sure, his sure. changeup. Yeah. Wow. wow. No, it, it, it's it's unbelievable. And again, like to, to, to kind of put it in perspective, yeah, over seven years – Uh, Since since he last played in the majors eight years since he had his last win the last time He entered a game with his team leading was in 2012 Who was the starter that day for the detroit tigers? Justin verlander Anybody on this rockies roster that is 30 years old or or younger Hadn't even made their debut in the majors the last time that he was quote-unquote done and now he's back with a vengeance, and it's it's a great story. And again, it's already a success story. And Rockies fans don't worry that the story is going to get in the way of the season because it's not. If Daniel Bard is not productive, it doesn't matter that it took him seven years. And ah, oh, no, let's not do that to him. There, there's no doing that to him. It's look, they gave him the opportunity. They were they came after him hard. He had a few different suitors, and believe it or not he actually picked the rockies which is something we don't always see when all things are even and so he did that and if and if it doesn't work out then it won't work out and it'll still be a great story but the rockies are not beholden to keeping daniel bard no matter what that that that's not a thing so you don't have to worry about that so enjoy the story now you know while you while you can and it's 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 great it, again it's another reason why colorado rockies kind of pretty cool they're pretty it's cool right th- now
0: this is uh th- this definitely ups their cool like their street swag like like it totally does because it's a great story but it's not just that the dude came out throwing gas um i i, I think i tweeted it was like uh when he got door on 99 up and away like daniel bard who was coaching the last two years just struck out the guy who has led the Texas Rangers in home runs over the last three seasons on a 99-mile-an-hour fastball. I think the Daniel Bard story is going to get better. Uh, as someone who wasn't a believer, who was asked just a couple of weeks ago, what's going on with Daniel Bard? And you, if you'll recall, if you were listening to that show, my answer was, You've got to trust Bud Black a little bit here with what he sees because there's no numbers to go on. I also didn't have a velo gun during intersquad squad games. I could tell he was throwing hard. They all pop the glove like they're throwing a missile when we're down there and it's echoing throughout the entire stadium. I didn't know he was throwing 99. I didn't know he still had that on his slider. I certainly had no idea he had this changeup at 90 miles an hour that was going to fall away from dude's... It's it it is Wild the Innocent. It's a movie, um, like and and I think Patrick is right. They're not gonna just play it because it's a good movie, like that very clearly goes out the window when you have the kind of stuff he exhibited today. Location could still tighten up everyone's location. I mean, Lance Lane was pretty good, and Mike Miner was decent. No, 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 flip. I'm sorry, flip those. Mike Miner was really good with the location today. Lance Lane was decent. Um, he could have been much more efficient. Um. But, I mean, Daniel Bard, let's go. Come on. That's awesome.
1: (laughs) Yeah, you have to find value anywhere that you can. And, you know, say what you will about the Rockies being that franchise that allowed Jamie Moyer you know, to pitch at the age 62 years old. I, I forget. I, I might be off by a, year, a couple of years. It was maybe it was right. 64. I'm not sure. Yeah, that's right. You got it. But, but there's value to be had out there. That's the story of Moneyball, a guy who was essentially this backup catcher in Scott Hatterberg. They actually saw value in him. And, and at the time, A's fans would have been like, really, this guy? Like, come on. Like, you're just being cheap or you're just being frugal. And you see the Rockies at the, the 2018 trade deadline where who do they bring in? Matt Holiday, like, whoa, what? No, that's not that's not a thing anymore. And guess what? He came back, he was absolutely a thing. Yeah. And again, we, we see Daniel Bard doing it and you go, There could be some value here and look, there's evidence, right? There's other scouts, there's other teams there, and you go, Okay, that's a fit. And and, and maybe if, if this is a movie, let's go all in. Because next thing you know, September 1st, after the trade deadline, you can't acquire anybody else on this roster. You know, who do we see? The glass breaks and in steps Prince Fielder. Why the heck Definitely. not? As the <laughs> DH, if you want to have some good, feel-good uh, stories, why not? why not Prince Fielder? I think the dude's still, like, maybe 34 years old. I don't know. Maybe David Wright, even. Now, uh, odds are it's a couple of things probably aren't going right with the roster, but you know what? Why not? Again, if you're contributing, it doesn't matter. And that's actually a, again, it's a beautiful thing that the Rockies are one of those organizations that just goes, you know what? If a guy's got the goods, let's give him a chance. Let's yeah. not write somebody off and say, now nah, that's that's who they are just because that's who they were. No, you know what? They got their act together. They dropped some weight. Look at what they're doing now. He's up to 99 miles an hour. You can't teach that. And Daniel Bard, he's got the stuff. So you know what? It doesn't matter if you're a cup of haters or not, but Daniel Bard is around here,
0: now, going forward. Get a few more of (laughs) them in. He's here, then, now, and forever, Drew. Oh, Oh, wow. Wow. Uh, We almost got through a whole podcast without any, and then you stuck like... 12 into a minute and a half (laughs) long that was pretty fantastic that was pretty fantastic well if you out there oh and one final bit of news coming in of course we got to get the weather report from my mother though i was wondering about this as well heard that it was especially humid more than it normally is down there that would make sense Mm because joey gallo trevor story charlie blackman everybody was hitting line drives and going what in the world so again that seemed to play out Pretty evenly. David Dahl made some really nice catches out there in center field, so you get to see that. um,
1: World's it, largest humidor.
0: That's it. it, it. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, we'll we'll see how it plays. Uh, on Sunday. So keep following along with us, of course, for all of that, for the continued story of Daniel Bard, for the continued story of story, because we have not run out of those puns yet to see whether or not Ryan McMahon can get out of this little funk that he's in. Uh, but of course, the biggest one to see what the kid from Denver can do after a nightmare of a season. Where is he at mentally, physically? How does this stuff look? We are going to be hyper-analyzing the crap out of Kyle Freeland on Sunday. So make sure that you join us for all of that, that you're subscribed to the DNVR.com, you're following us on all the social media, at Patrick D. Lyons, at Drew Kreisman, at DNVR underscore Rockies, that you got yourself some cool merch, that if you don't have anywhere to watch the game, you are swinging by the DNVR bar. We have always, always, always... Got the Rockies game on, even if it is outside of our normal business hours. We will open early and we will have the Rockies game on television for you. And we will make sure that everything is socially distanced and safe. We had the party the other night. Thank you to everybody that came out for opening day. Uh, sorry the game wasn't a little bit better for all of us. But I just want to say, like, you guys really were a model for like how everyone should be able to come out into the world celebrate sports, be a part of a community, but be responsible, be safe. Everyone staying in their own groups, but cheering at the big moments. It was, uh, it really warmed my heart to see. It's too bad the Rockies couldn't have gotten you a win uh, for your efforts, but really, really a tip of the cap to all of you. Uh, who, who came out on opening day and who will hopefully continue to come out with a probably about 40% chance to see me down there if it's an away game, I'll be at the bar a lot. So other than that, all I can ask is that you continue to remain absolutely awesome out there. We will continue to remain absolutely Patrick Lyons and Drew Creasman in here. And until next time, we will see you at the ballpark.